Spilling Realty Podcast with Alex and Kendall. Welcome back to Spilling Realty. Happy Thursday. Happy Groundhog's Day. Uh, Kendall, did you know that the male groundhogs cat call like sleazy construction workers? Uh, they do. That's why they have the nickname Whistle Pigs. I have some other ones for you, too. Uh-huh. Did you know that groundhogs are also known as woodchucks? I did not. They do not chuck wood. Uh-huh. Listen to me. This is a translation issue from, from the Native Americans to the, the settlers. Is There was a Native American word that sounded like woodchuck, and that's just what they started calling them. Um, but the answer to the age-old question, does a woodchuck chuck wood? The answer is no. So just for anyone else who's wondering that, you know, you don't like that fun fact? Loved it. Anyway, uh, my unamused co-host uh, is coming to us today from uh, the Hunt Valley area, Kendall Gray from Next Step Realty. How are you? Hi. I'm so excited to be back. I'm so excited for today. Did you know their burrows are so complex that each member of the family has their own separate compartment to go to the bathroom? No, but I also know that now. I mean, for a real estate agent, you should appreciate that. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like they have their own separate bathrooms. They, they build those burrows themselves. Anyway. Clearly unamused, that's okay. Our guest today is a social media marketing mogul and reputation management strategist for Beamed Media. With over 180,000 followers on TikTok and over 75,000 on Instagram, his reach is uh, truly on an international level. He's an entrepreneur, a public speaker, creator, and father who just may have cursed at your children on Fortnite, my friend Todd Collins. What's up, guys? I appreciate you calling me a mogul, but I'm not. You know I hate being called anything. <laughs> I was I was trying to uh, to not call you an influencer. I know the I word is, is poisonous to you. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, we are so excited to have you here today. Usually you are putting people and your clients in the hot seat, but we're going to flip the script and put you in the hot seat. Let's just sort of get started. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Where are you from? How did you get to where you are today? Give us the 411. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a kid from Carroll County. Grew up uh, between two cornfields and six houses in our neighborhood. Sounds about right. Grew up that way. Yeah, typical Gen X kid. You know, like grew up, uh, you know, bikes, skateboarding, sports, playing outside, all that kind of stuff. Not really in the digital world. It was very, you know, uh, alien to me for a really long time. You know, I just, I wanted to get out of Carroll County as soon as possible possible. That was like one of the main things I wanted to do. And, you know, I didn't go to college right away. I moved to the beach, got tattooed. Uh, the tattoo artist that I met taught me how to surf. So I just ended up just staying down there and surfing and bussing tables for a really long time. And then came home and decided to go to college. Uh, college wasn't for me and um, was lucky enough to meet a buddy of mine resurfaced a friendship. We did some stuff together via the internet, had some success there. And then that started moving me into where I am today. And I was lucky enough to have a couple opportunities kind of just fall in my lap. That's how I got to where I am now. A lot of it's luck and a little bit of it is just being in the right place at the right time. And who you know, right? I mean, they don't call it Smaltimore for nothing. I wish I had that luck. I say luck because of the good things, but I mean, also peppered in between that was, you know, divorce and bankruptcy and failed businesses and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff like is peppered into it, right? You know, I think that's one of the things that kind of brought my stuff to the surface was that I didn't really take that stuff and go, you know, don't worry about that. That's just like stuff that happened in my life. I, I kind of brought that to the surface. And I think that's just what made myself relatable early on to a lot of people. And I think a lot of us, we try to wrap our life into like the moment that we're living in right now. And in reality, it's like we live like multiple lifetimes. Like 
this is just another stage kind of where I'm at right now. I don't know what's going to happen next, right? So I think a lot of us try to rush that process. And I think that's what causes, you know, some people to, and especially in the digital world where people just, they burn out really fast because they rush the process. They try to make it happen too fast. Yeah, absolutely. And being genuine is such an important part of that. I know that's also something that a lot of people struggle with, right? So what was your biggest obstacle or biggest hurdle as far as like, hey, I'm just going to let this go. I'm going to put myself out there. How did you finally, I guess, get yourself to that space? Honestly, like I got my heart broken and just thrashed. And this is the truth, man. This is like really where, where it comes down to it. Like a lot of the times, like when your heart gets broken, it brings a lot of things to the surface and you become, I don't want to call it numb or cold. But you be just become very laser focused on everything. And it makes you very dangerous in whatever line of work you're in or whatever it is. And that's really what happened. I just had a like a it was like a heart thrashing, life changing moment. I remember I was laying in bed one night. This is how it all turned like personal branding wise, at least. It was a LinkedIn post and I just wrote it. I just kept writing to the point where we were at the maximum amount of characters allowed. What was it back then? He acts like he's a fossil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it was like 2,500 characters. I mean, I was yeah. really going to town and I just let it all out and it just got a lot of attention. And then my business partner at the time was like, dude, you should probably put that stuff like out on other platforms. Just see what happens. And I did. And what ended up happening was I became more visible and more, I don't want to say popular, but the attention was more on me than it was on the business. And that's when I started to realize I was like, man, I'm onto something here. Something's you know, some, I'm, I'm tickling something that hasn't been tickled before. And that's really what put me on that, you know, set me on that stage. So I'm not saying go get your heart broken, but I'm just saying sometimes in life, there's things that are like trigger points and it just goes and you just don't care about what the blowback could be based on sharing that story. And I think we just don't do that enough, unfortunately. And we really miss out on a lot of really big opportunities by not doing that. Basically, what you're saying is this all really started with you just being your true authentic self, just like throwing it out there, right? Absolutely. How would you classify exactly what you do just for our listeners out there who may not be familiar with who you are and what services you offer, et cetera? Yeah. I don't like to categorize myself. Fair. We were just talking about in the introductory, you know, this where it's like, I'll go speak somewhere and someone says guru and I'm like, nope, not a guru. And they're like, marketing masterminder or whatever it is. And I'm like, nope, not that guy either. An expert. And I'm like, nope. Right. I refuse to take those categorizations. I just don't like it because I think it's very egotistical. I believe that I was lucky enough to have some really good coaches, some really good mentors. And even if I thought I wasn't listening at the time, I, I, I was and I took something away from one of those people, even if I don't talk to those people anymore. Again, lucky enough to be able to have met those people, have those people in my life and be able to take that execute on what they taught me and then pass it down to other people. That's incredible. Would you consider yourself a coach? So yeah, you could say the coaching thing kind of started happening just during COVID. Honestly, that's kind of where that sparked in. People were just like, how can we go deeper with you? And I was like, wasn't even thinking about that, right? Like I wasn't even, wasn't even on my mind. The agency was already operating. So it was just an offshoot of people that were like, look, we want to use Beamed, but we also want to talk to you. And like, what strategies do you think are working here and what's working there? And that's kind of how that opportunity you know, came to be. Again, right place, right time, situation. I saw the opportunity and I executed on it. Instead of sitting there and thinking about it, like the average person, 
you know, my impulsiveness sets in and I'm just like, fuck it, let's just do it. We all, you know, do that from time to time. So I get it, man. Yeah. Who has been your most important professional mentor? Man. Shout him out. I would say like emotionally, probably my dad. I can relate to that. He's like the nicest guy in the world and he's always bent over backwards for people. There was an article written about him when he was my age. I'll never forget. I still have it. It was a picture of him and it said, Mr. Everything. And it was because he was the dad who picked up the kids and took them to sports. He would take money out of his own pocket if a family had a really good kid and wanted to play sports but didn't have the money to do it. He would make sure that you know, everybody got fed. I mean, the guy just sacrificed everything financially on his side to make sure that everybody else got opportunities. It was just really important to him. And like, I'm not as good a dad as he was or is. There's just no question about it. I mean, I would love to be, but I'm just not. I know that. I'm more my mom than my dad. But it's a guy that I've always looked up to. Um, and he knows that, which is good because he's like 82 now. So he knows that how I feel. Um, there was a guy named John Orfino and a guy named Josh Shryban. Both of those guys taught me how to sell it, how to build value, how to do those things. So, and I don't even talk to those guys anymore, but those guys that were huge, huge advocates from when I was younger. Um, Richie Huffman, the guy who owns Celebrate, another great mentor of mine. He's done tons of stuff to be able to help me grow. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, there's, there's so many men and women that have saw something in me and put their time and effort into me. And I see that in other people now. And I'm like, I... Now I'm the 44-year-old guy talking to the 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old, slow down, it's going to happen, don't rush it, you know, and I remember them telling me that, and I'm like, shut the fuck up, like, I want it now, you know, and it's just, that's just not how it goes, and so. You're in the big brother role. Yeah, you just fall into that role as you get older, and I think it's, it's really interesting. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks, thanks for that. You obviously have many mentors, and some of them were in sales. What you do now, you are in sales. So what is your value proposition? How do you get clients? Why choose you? Hmm. Great question. I know. Most of the time I talk people out of choosing me. And I, and I just posted about this the other day. I posted a picture of Nolan Ryan. He got hit with a baseball in his face from Bo Jackson. And uh, the trainer started walking out from the dugout to help him. He had blood running out down his face. The lip was split open. It was all over his jersey. The trainer starts walking out and he waves the trainer off. Wave them off. And that was the generation of people that raised me. That was the generation of, of athletes that I watched. The generation of work ethic, putting the pain outside. That was the type of person that I was recognized too, right? And so when I coach people or when I talk to people, that is how I come across. I come across very abrasive, very aggressive, very hard. I don't take any of the excuses. If you're crying and whining about it, don't even bother coming back. I try to talk people out of doing business with me because I'm like, it's going to be hard and it's going to suck. You're not going to like me and you're going to hate me for a really long time. But when everything that I've taught you comes to fruition, then you're going to be like, okay, I understand why you built up this Kevlar vest of you know exterior to me. And so that's, for me, that's, that's kind of always been the situation. It's like almost like reverse selling now. Back in the day, it was easy, like in sales. It's if I believed in the product that I was selling, then it was easy for me to sell it because I was excited about it. If you're not excited about a product, it doesn't matter how much, you know, how good of a salesperson you are. I mean, it's just not going to work. If you don't believe in what you're selling, then it doesn't work. So I believe in everything that we do. I know that when it comes to reputation management, we get the job done. I know when it comes to branding, we are very, very good at what we do. I am very choosy now in my life about who I do business with, whether it's a business or whether it's a person, I'm choosing. And 
I've earned that and I've busted my ass to be able to do that. And so, uh, yeah, it's, I'd like to sit here and say, I run ads and do this and do that, but I just don't anymore. Again, lucky enough to not have to do that. So I think it's fair to say what you offer and what sets you apart is that you're in it. You're all in like you're, you're invested in your clients. And I think that's like a huge, huge value proposition that a lot of people don't offer. You're all in. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, that's why we don't put people on contracts because it's, you know, uh, I think a lot of companies, they do that one to evaluate themselves, right? I mean, they have to have some sort of valuation. I don't care about that. I didn't build my company to sell it. So I don't care about evaluation. So based on that, you know, I mean, I could be, I turn consulting people down all the time because I'm like, one, it's probably not going to be a good fit. Two, I'm just at my max right now. I don't want to deal with more than this many people at a time. And if I did do that, if I got greedy and, and made it that way, it would fail. It wouldn't work. My time would be construed all over the place. It just doesn't work that way. And I think that's where a lot of people are is, again, they're trying to rush the process over top of, you know, what could actually happen if you help this person reach this level? What kind of fruit can come from that instead? It's just something that's just not done nowadays. Do you know who you remind me of? And you can thank me later, but you remind me of Mark Cuban. I watch Shark Tank and he is like the realest of the real. And I'm sitting here listening to you. I'm like, you really remind me of Mark Cuban. I just had to throw that out there. Appreciate that. Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm glad we got that out there. Um, So again, kind of in that same vein, Todd, what's the biggest misconception about what you do? Mm, I would say making people money back on what they spend on us. I think that's the biggest misconception. You know, I have meetings with people all the time and the entire iteration of of what the conversation's about and what they're looking for and the expectation that they have is here and the reality is here. And then when someone says, well, you know, how much do I need to spend? How much does that cost? And then I say it, their next statement is to start negotiating or whatever it is, all those types of things. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that a lot of the things that I teach people, there's no finite return on investment. It's at any given moment, it could happen. Make no guarantees. I make no promises. If you listen, if you execute on what you're taught, if you stick to the strategy, if you stick to the plan, then things could happen. You have to put the work in. People think an hour with me is going to change their life. I just, it's just not true. Yeah. It's, it has to be them. Oh, here's 10,000 followers. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. It, it just doesn't work like that. And it's like, I think I've proven that over time where I'm like, you know, people are saying like, hey, you know, I want to be where you're at. I'm like, all right, well then go hard as shit for, you know, nine years straight. Sucks. Nobody was paying attention to me. I wasn't on any podcast for a long time. Uh, it's the immediate gratification. It's it's their expectation is the biggest misconception. And I cut that out right away. First thing I talk about. What do you say to people? Um, I've watched some of your reels, but for people who haven't, um, what do you say to people that are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get in front of the camera. I don't want to do this. Like you don't really hold back, but what do you say? Just like go for it. Like, I mean, cause you have to have a lot of people that, have that fear. Yeah. And I just tell them, just don't do it then. My job is not to help you overcome the fear of a spider. I'll be honest with you. 99.9% of the people don't want to do it. That question does come up a lot. And I go, okay, well then look, I'll, I'll pull out 16 different examples of things that you could be doing where you don't have to be on camera. You don't even have to talk or you could be on camera and not talk, or you don't have to be on camera and not talking, you can still do this amazing stuff. You can still make great content. You can still do these things. So that would be a way that I could overcome that objection for them. 
But at the end of the day, most of the people that I talk to aren't, that's not the problem. The problem is they don't know what to talk about when the camera's on. This is true. And they're mentally paralyzed in their own industry or their own niche because they feel like everything has been set. My goal is always to keep them on the edge of where, pushing them at just outside of what they do. And I think Alex is, is a good example of that. When I first started working with him, he wasn't you know doing the things that he's doing now. And it's me pushing him to the edge of, okay, we're not doing any mortgage stuff this week. We're doing all personal stuff. Well, I mean, that's how Alex and I actually connected was social media. I never met him in my life. And I was like, oh my God, I love your stuff. It's so funny. And I was like, and you don't shove mortgage stuff down everybody's throat. I said, you're so funny. Um, and then I was like, Let's like, let's connect. And so that is like a great point is like pushing real estate or mortgage rates or like whatever field you're in like every day. Like nobody cares. No, I'm with you hundred percent, especially in this kind of market, right? Where nobody wants to talk about what, what rates are doing. And yeah, exactly. Now everyone's ready to buy right now. And but look, yeah. pe people are out there still buying and selling homes. I mean, that's just the reality of it. It's not two or three years ago anymore. The goal is the eyeballs. How do you get the eyeballs? You know, and the thing is, is, is when you start thinking about what you consume and then you start creating what you consume, it starts to make sense. It's when you don't do that, yeah. you try to force it. That's when you burn or you just quit and you stop. That's exactly what I started yeah. to do is, is basically like use, you know, some of the content that I already consumed and put my own spin on it. Right. Or put some kind of real estate or finance or economy spin on it, right? That hopefully people find entertaining. That's the goal of it anyway. I do. You've got one fan. No doubt. With that, and when you say eyeballs, would you say that a lot of people are like obsessed with how many followers you have, right? Um, mm -hmm. People think that that is what is like the be all end all. Is that true? No. I always say like the followers don't matter. It's like if you're not converting those followers, then then what does it really matter? I mean, I don't even know how many followers I have. You have a lot. But in comparison to, you know, who? Right. There's a ton of people that have way more followers than me and, and maybe are just not in a better financial position. At the end of the day, like you could have a million followers and be broke as shit. I mean, okay, cool, man. Like that doesn't help me in my life. <laughs> You know, I say this all the time and it's it's really where it is and it's where I'm at in my life. I can do whatever I want whenever I want. So if I don't want to work today, I don't have to work today. Like, I don't care if I have a thousand followers or 500 followers. If I can still make that decision every day I get up, I go, yeah, I don't feel like getting out of bed today. I'm not going to get out of bed. That to me is way more valuable than how many followers you have. The only thing that the follower thing does really, in my opinion, it's a bit of a vanity metric. It's a little bit of social proofing. And it basically says that the masses... The, com the community that you've touched, the masses have said, we like this person. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the person's good at what they do. It doesn't mean any of those things. So it's just not a number that I'm concerned with. I'm concerned with how many people comment on the videos, how many people have shared the video, how many people have saved those videos or pieces of content, how many people have we converted from those people to paying clients? How has it changed your life financially, your family's life financially? If you can't answer those questions, then it doesn't matter how many numbers are there. Right. And as, as someone with a relatively low follower count, especially compared to yours, like I can already tell you it's changed my life just, to, you know, from doing it for a year. Yeah. Um, and that's with, I don't know, I have 10,000 ish followers across, you know, five or six different platforms altogether. And some of them probably overlap. So it's probably even less than that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's already made a huge difference in my business and my life. And, you know, it, it really, it's been a great creative outlet for me too. I know there's not really one hack, right. For social media nowadays, like you kind of already touched on that. Um, yeah. But it seems like video is kind of where it's at right now. We already know that if you aren't doing that, you're already kind of behind the eight ball. 
But like, what is the future of social media? Like, where do you see this going? Is it more live video? I mean, do, do you want to do you want to touch on like what what's next? If I don't mention AI and like ChatGPT, then I would be stupid because it's it's it really is. That's really where the future is. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, we've already implemented a right. lot of AI. Yeah, I think a lot of heavy lifting will be taken off the plate of a lot of people, including people that are creating content. I do believe video will continue to be the movement of where social media is. I think it's gonna get shorter, not longer. That's just gonna happen. And that's based on what I see psychologically through my children and how they consume content. Typically shows when we were growing up were about an hour long and they became 30 minutes. You know, now, you know, a show that if you watch it with your kids, sometimes they're like five minute episodes, it's three episodes of five minute episodes. It's just how our attention spans have gotten. So, you know, when I say like, hey, run a five second video ad, people are like five seconds, that's not enough. Five seconds is a long time. And I believe that we're going to be compacting a lot of information into shorter pieces of content and, and rolling that out. However, I will always be a big fan of going backwards just a little bit sometimes and testing. And, and I told Alex this week, I said, hey, go back to Facebook, go back to LinkedIn, take some static images, post one or two static images like that Nolan Ryan post I, I posted this week I was talking about and some longer form copy that's inspirational or emotional, very touching personally to you that you're sharing. Put that on LinkedIn and Facebook, see how it performs. And I did that and it increased the attention on those two platforms. So it made me realize that, okay, just because my videos are doing well on Facebook Reels doesn't necessarily mean that the people that are following me on Facebook, that's what they want to see. Maybe they want a little bit more intimate conversation with me or a little bit more of an intimate opinion of what I think about a topic or whatever it is on that specific platform. Video, yeah, but I'm a big fan of written word a lot. And I think AI is going to somewhat help us with that. But I don't think that that can be replaced by the creativeness that, you know, comes from one's brain. Yep. I agree with that too. I I saw recently that uh, I, I guess one of the jokes that chat GPT uh, wrote for a comedian actually yeah. hit at a big national comedy club, which is funny, also a little scary. But I also think that if comedians or creators or anyone else starts to kind of rely solely on that, you're going to lose everything that, that it's all about. Good news is there's plugins that are available where like I if you wrote like a blog and it was written by AI, I can tell that it was written by AI. Like you didn't write that. Hear that, teachers? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's going to be some people that are just going to try to skate the system on it and it's just not going to work out for them in the end. Use it as a wireframe, you know, for brainstorming. That's where my, that's where I think it's good. The AI is going to be the best for us. And I think that's where the future of social media is. A lot of it is going to be, the heavy lifting is going to be done by AI, but I think it's going to help a lot with us moving forward quicker and faster as far as it goes from like sitting down with people and going, where do we start from? We can quickly get a wireframe of where we want to start and then go, oh, okay, cool. Now we're in it, you know? So I think that's where it's going to help. But yeah, that's the future. And then of course, like, you know, um, you know, the metaverse, I think that's still, people haven't been talking about it a lot, but I, I still believe that that it's going to become, social media is going to become more and more immersive um, as time goes on. They haven't given up on that yet, you know, even though it hasn't, it hasn't clicked. Yeah, they haven't given up on it. Social media will just continue to get more immersive, you know, where we just don't leave. We just stay in it. Yeah, that's great. So uh, if, if a realtor or a restaurant or a plumber or I don't know, any kind of small business uh, was just, you know, they haven't been doing social media or at least the way that we do it. Um, and they wanted to start, what's the best piece of advice you would give them? <sighs> Cue long sigh. <laughs> because it's such a complex question. It is. Yeah. You know, it's like, 
I like to have a conversation with the person who owns the company and then work my way down, you know, because the person at the top always has a different visualization of like the realistic stuff, which right. is like down here, like in the marketing department, the sales force, all that kind of stuff. Like he's like, he or she's here. And then everybody else is like, that doesn't sound right at all. So I always like to talk to that person first, then work my way down through here. And I'm just like, look, at the end of the day, you, you have to look at it like a wider net will always catch more people. How how can we create content on a daily basis? A daily basis. How, this is this is our, our, our meat and potatoes. How can we create content on a daily basis to, to get the attention of the people that we want to do business with or at some point want to do business with? And it doesn't cost us a dime because all we have to do is put that content out. Get them to stop overthinking it and really start to kind of simplify things down and go, okay, why aren't we on those places? Oh, it's because I don't use those. Okay, well, that's not a reason not to be there, right? So it's kind of getting them like reset, like almost resetting their brain from like boss, C-level, marketing person, whatever it is, salesperson to consumer again, and then thinking backwards into it and then they go oh yeah you know what you're right shoot like that's stuff i show to my wife every night or that's the stuff i share to my instagram stories or you know that's the stuff i post about okay now 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 we're thinking okay now we've created that content so like for plumbing you know a plumber i would be like dude just put out free content that people can like do plumbing at their house make content that literally will put you out of business i, I literally will say that make content that that, that will literally put you out of business and that is like the end all be all of social media proofing. <laughs> It'll put you out of business. If one person watched the whole thing, they would be like, I can be a plumber. Uh, that's funny you say that because um, there is a home inspector who I love to work with. His name is Ralph. He's with Hawkeye Inspections. And he puts out so much stuff where I literally think that I am like a glorified home inspector. I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And I, and I appreciate it though, because it's like awesome hacks. What I realized is like, when I say like put content out, like to put yourself out of business, the reason I've realized that that's the way to go is because that's the quickest way to attention. Again, 99.9% .9 of the people, they just won't execute on it. Like, here's the deal. I watch the lawn mowing guys, TikTok and Instagram. I don't mow my fucking lawn. No desire. I will never, ever, ever mow my lawn again. You're bougie. But I love watching his content. And he could tell me all day long how to better mow my lawn, but I'm never going to execute on it. Well, and that's and that's what's so funny about Ralph, just for example purposes, is that I never thought I would enjoy watching home inspection reels. Never in my life did I think it was so cool to like have a hack to change an air filter or this or that. Like never in a million years. So. Well, who would have thought people would have liked watching like earwax extractions and that kind of shit? Okay, that's weird. Yeah, but no, but it's it's there. I mean, there is a market for it. It's satisfying to a person. It's like when yeah. somebody's carving a bar of soap, you know, it's right. like, I'm just obsessed with how the human brain reacts to things. Yeah, and that, that seems to be a common theme too with a lot of very successful people is just they know how to, they know what makes people tick. It's, it. it's just understanding how they interact. Like, again, I, you know, I told you with the YouTube shorts, how I figured that that ten, five to 10 second video, you know, when you said hack, that's, I mean, that's a hack to me. Figuring that out was just me watching and analyzing my kids and then asking them questions and then going, okay, 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 okay. Now let's test it. We test over and over and it worked and i'm like okay i gotta tell everybody right this. and that's taken me oh, from no views or next to no views on youtube to you know 
two, three, four thousand every time I post now. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm with you, you man. executed on it though, right. but the average person didn't. If I asked them if they're on YouTube Shorts, they'd be like, no, not today. <laughs> Like, and they like, also don't right. understand that like YouTube shorts, YouTube shorts and YouTube are two totally different feeds. Like they're different, you know? So anyway, um, Todd, did you want to touch on that a little bit? Do you want to talk about YouTube shorts and, and you, the YouTube channel and kind of like how they're different, but you know, you kind of get them in the same place. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I love YouTube. I still love it. I think it's a great, you know, we were just talking about, you know, microphones. I had a microphone that like didn't work on my computer and I, you know, instead of like going to like an encyclopedia and looking it up or whatever it was, I mean, I can't read something. I hate reading. I hate books. Uh, if that was a question, if you're going to be like, what's your favorite book? I'm going to be like, I fucking hate books. So, uh, I, I don't it. care I what your favorite book uh, is for YouTube. Like I need like three <laughs> to five minutes to be able to figure something out so I can, I can solve a problem. And then I'm like super excited about that. I've solved that issue. Right. Like I went and I fixed the issue. Yeah. So big fan of YouTube for like three to five minute videos, um, like once a week, maybe once a month, if that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't want to be a YouTuber, so I've never really focused all my energy on it. I have a lot of friends that are really good at it and have really dissected it, but YouTube shorts I'm a fan of because I like short form content. I, that's the way my brain works and I like what I like. I like, I make what I consume. And so for YouTube shorts, it's just like shooting fish in a barrel right now. Like. If you're like, oh man, I only get like one or 200 views on my TikTok, so I'm like so bummed out I didn't start earlier, then YouTube Shorts is the place for you because you can do that same TikTok on YouTube Shorts and get like 45,000 views. And you're getting 45,000 views on the second largest search engine on the planet. Like, it's not like you're posting it on Pinterest. It's not a fucking idea pin. It's a goddamn video. So it's like... You know, use your brain. If you have the opportunity to grow quickly and fast and get massive attention and get in front of a ton of people with a five to 10 second video, like, why would you not execute on that? And the, the answer is always the same because the average person is extremely lazy. They don't believe in anything. Uh, they don't believe in themselves, number one. <laughs> and then they just don't listen. And so they don't execute. And then they always live with regret of like, man, ah, I wish I would have started. Wish I would have started. Wish I, I hear that all the time. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I bet you do wish you would have started. But the thing is, is you didn't start. So now you're behind the eight ball. And now you're the, the person who complains and, and whines and cries about it not working. And I've heard it all before. So move on. Get out of here. Yeah, I have a little bit of TikTok regret myself. But uh, YouTube Shorts is uh, is the new frontier. So yeah. Amen. So I guess you don't want to tell us what your favorite <laughs> book is? Think and Grow Rich is my favorite book. Pauline Hill's the author. Go read it. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> well, I think that's all that I have uh, for you. Alex, is there anything else? Yeah, I mean, Alex and I talk like three days a week. I know. So yeah, Todd, Todd and I are, used to, are sick of talking to each other. <laughs> He's used to seeing my face. <laughs> no, this was great. Um, Alex, do you have any other questions before we get into my favorite I don't segment? think so. Yeah, this is actually, by the way, slowly turning into my favorite segment too, especially uh, certain parts of it. I love it. Because we can really get into the nitty gritty about really dumb stuff, which is, uh, I have a lot of dumb knowledge yes. sort of here in this big head of mine. So let's get into it. We're going to get into our favorite segment of the podcast, which is called Plead the Fifth. I'm going to let Alex kick it off with his favorite, Shag, Mary, Kill. 
Todd, I know, and most of your followers know that you play a lot of Fortnite. Mm. Shag Mary Kill, these three Fortnite skins, Midas, Meowskulls, and Peely. Mm. Kill Peely, fuck Meowskull, and uh, Mary Midas. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Why do you want to kill Peely, though? Because he's, I, I've heard some people call him scary, some people think he's creepy, some people just think he's weird. It's just a crap skin. I can't move in it. I feel like I've got, got no agility whatsoever with it. I, I I don't like it. I think it's stupid. It doesn't drive <laughs> fear into the hearts of anybody. It's that's awful. Awesome. I have no clue what you guys are talking about. Um, so I will be googling this. Yes. So for by the way, Fortnite is a video game. It's you know it's 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 a thing. Um, it's pretty big. So you might be shocked. I'm, I'm actually shocked oh, you don't know about it. Yeah. No clue. Um, <laughs> I'm not a gamer. Um. Todd, what is your biggest pet peeve? Like, numero uno, biggest pet peeve. <sighs> Damn, you must have a lot. <laughs> I do. I have a lot of pet peeves. Um, people that say that they're overwhelmed. That's my biggest pet peeve. Because I just think they're so full of shit. Most people are just whelmed. Yeah. They, they don't know. They just don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. I just hear that all the time. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. And I'm like, oh, oh really? Are you so overwhelmed? You live in a beautiful area. You've got a great, you're healthy. You're like, oh, you're overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed. Like, I, I just, I think it's a lot of, I, I don't like hearing that. When I hear that, I'm just like, oh, get away. When, when Kendall and I were, were uh, talking about this, I was, I was kind of thinking in my head, Todd, Todd's going to say laziness. And I think that kind of ties into. I think people that say they're overwhelmed, they're looking for an excuse to get away from stuff. I can be lazy. You know, that's, sure. that's a good point. And there's, there's some, uh, there's some good that can, that can come out of being lazy occasionally uh, when you've earned it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you won $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? I would I would definitely donate for sure. Um, I think one of the first things I would do is I'd set up a, 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 I'd set up a charity and a trust for my kids. They wouldn't get any of the money until they were like 50. <laughs> Especially because they're, they're boys, right? You can't trust boys with anything. There's like two boys. I, I'm just like, they wouldn't get any money until they're 50. So I would set up a trust. I would set up a charity for tax purposes. Um, I would definitely set up a property management company and start investing into real estate, hire Kendall and you. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't think I would really change anything in my life. I don't, I don't think I would like quit consulting and I don't think I would shut the company down. I wouldn't do any of those things because I love what I do, which is really the trick to all this is if you can get paid for what you love to do every day, then you really can't get overwhelmed. You really can't burn out. You really can't do any of those things. So, yeah. Yeah. I just wouldn't, I guess I really wouldn't change much. I would make sure that other people were taken care of. I'm good. Yeah. I, and a trust that your kids can have access to. When they're 50, they're because 50. I had access to money when I was, <laughs> you know, 25 ish, 30 ish, and just not a good idea. Yeah, your your yeah. brain's not fully developed until um, twenty-five anyway. No, it's so, yeah. guys are stupid. It's plastic <laughs> until then. So um if you could sit down and have coffee with one historical figure, who would it be and why? One person. You know, who's like famous, like I know you don't like to read, but that you've read Martin about in books. King. I know that sounds right. like a weird it sounds like a weird it wouldn't be what what most people who most people would think I would choose, but I would choose him 
not just because it was Martin Luther King Day, but I just find him very interesting. I, I, I think he was so forward thinking in his, in the psychology of how the world should work that, um, I just have a lot of questions that I'd like to ask him and I think help a lot of things today. So that would be the person I would want to sit down with and talk to. Yeah, that's a good answer. I think, um, especially this past year, I, I, I've recently noticed that like there was just so much more to him than I guess what we learned about in school. Right. Which is, uh, which is crazy to think about because you know, you would think that would be enough, but, um, no, he was, he was a very deep thinker. Um, yeah, that's a great answer. Deep thinking. And he just saw the world differently than than everybody else did. And it's like, how, why is that? And then he was gone so fast. It was like a come and go kind of thing that it was like, you know, uh, there was something different there with him. And, um, so yeah, I would really want to be like, why did you, how did you see it this? Why did you see it this way then? How, how did, how did you see that? Yeah. And I would want to know like for sure. One day I'll talk to him. I'm sure, you know, never get the chance to say. Um, I love that. Yeah, we, we talk Go ahead, about Alex. a lot of food on this podcast. I wonder why. <clears throat> it's got nothing to do with me. Uh, but if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? It can be a cheat meal, too. It's loud. Uh, one meal for the rest of my life. One. Taco Bell. I don't hate it. Taco Bell gets a bad rap, man. And, and, and it would be the soft steak taco, which is not a popular order. Um, it's actually not a well-known order either, but that was my, always my, uh, I haven't drank in nine years. So, um, if I got drunk, like that was a cheesy gordita crunch and three soft steak tacos was my go-to. Resting that the the actual. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, uh, cheesy gordita crunch is great. I, so I live out in Hump Valley. I think there's a Taco Bell off York road, but other than that, I'm not really sure where. And that is the one that I would go to after I got effed up and. (laughs) I, I yeah, went there in high school too, and I pack it all the time and I look at it and I'm like, one soft steak taco won't hurt. But I just talk myself out of it and I'm like, I'll just go eat the, the grilled chicken. Forget it. So, but yeah, Taco Bell soft steak taco. <laughs> go to for sure. Boom. Um, so again, I, I know you don't like to read. I know you don't like books, but <laughs> what would the title of the book be that described your life? Mm. What would your book title be? I love that you are very quiet during Plead the Fifth because you're always boom, boom, boom. And I really love when we catch people off guard and they have to think. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. The heartbreak kid? I just feel like that's such a good... So far in my life, I think that's like the narration of like, yeah, I've made a lot of choices. I mean, that's a hard question. Awesome job. That is a very hard question. (laughs) Um, Good book title too, for sure. For sure. I'll be looking for it uh, on the New York Times bestseller list next year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Journal that I do write okay. in though, and I'm sure at some point somebody will find it and they'll probably print it without me knowing about it. Yeah. 
I do. Alex, yeah. do you have one so, more or are you good? Um, Todd, I know we don't really, or you haven't really talked about this on social media in a while, but a uh, little birdie told me you are a big UFO guy. <laughs> I'm a huge UFO guy. Yeah. Well, so we all what? know UFOs technically exist now, right? I mean, mm. that's been like a huge development over the past couple of years. Yeah. The government's come out and actually said it. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you believe in aliens? Absolutely. hundred percent. Not even a me question. Too. Yep. I mean, we, we, we can't be that like narcissistic to think we're the only beings out here. Right. In, in this, we can, we can be that. Well, we, and we are. Yeah. See, yeah. I don't we're believe absol- in that. We are but. absolutely that narcissistic to think that the center of the universe revolves around us. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's Shit. just way too much science behind it. There's just too much evidence there. There's too many people that have been shut up. There's just, and I think the proof in the, is in the pudding now, especially like day by day. I mean, we just learn more and more that our government, I, I hate to say it, but our government just lies to us consistently on a daily basis yep. and they cover things up left and right. And it's just like this huge, just it's very saddening. And what I, I found was even more interesting was that we came out and said, hey, they're real. We don't know what they are. We have no clue what it is. We don't know anything. And everybody in the world was just like, eh. And, and, Kanye and, and like, Kim were getting divorced, though. So, well, you know. me, that just proves that, that they did such a good job of desensitizing us to the shock of that, that even if you did find out like, oh, you know, aliens just landed. It's a big deal. You know, you'd be like, eh, whatever. Well, I got that deal tomorrow. Like <laughs> you would just like, it's not world life changing things. Like, so I, you know, absolutely a hundred percent. And do I think that we'll meet them in our lifetime? Yeah, I do. I really do. I think you're going to see that the onion will continue to peel back and you're going to be like, wow, this is really messed up. Like yeah. everything that we were taught is out the window. Yeah, I'm so. with you, man. I, I I feel really bad for guys like Bob Lazar. You know, I I fell down the rabbit hole yeah. of the uh, the UFO thing for a couple months during the COVID pandemic. Because what the hell else were we doing, right? Yeah, um, I mean, so how I does look guy, at UFO videos on YouTube? Uh-huh. And how does the guy talk about an element that wasn't even on the periodic table right. of elements, or and then it's now on the periodic table of elements? Now yeah. that doesn't make any sense. It's just just too crazy, man. And yeah, and that's wow. the biggest problem. That's like the same thing that goes with Kanye and Dave Chappelle and all those guys. You're called crazy. You're called crazy because you believe in something that you have never seen or touched before yet you're called religious because you believe in something that you've never seen or touched before yeah so i just it's, you know it's, I, it's good to see that they're they're at least coming out with you know they're admitting the truth now but do, do you think the government's hiding anything else <laughs> absolutely they hide everything i don't trust i look <laughs> I, I will be the first person to tell you that i'm not a republican or a democrat i don't trust the government at all period end of report i can't stand the government i wish they would leave everybody alone and let us do our own thing. If we, if they left us alone and were responsible for doing the things that needed to get done, we, everything would get done. But we make politicians rich, which they never should be. And they're motivated by money, their own, you know, needs and wants. And unfortunately, that's just not, we, we've just, we've done this to ourselves. We, the people have have done this to ourselves. We put ourselves in this position and now we've got to dig ourselves out of it. I don't know if we'll ever see that. But I don't trust the government. I never will. Kendall, we should do a whole other uh, episode on insider trading and politicians, I think. <laughs> don't even get me started. I'm like sitting here biting my tongue. Don't, don't bite your tongue. Why? Because yeah. I don't want to get don't, on a rant. Don't bite, your don't, bite, don't, don't bite your tongue because you got to say, you got you to you gotta stick to your, you got to stick to what you believe. Again, I'm a big believer in saying the quiet part out loud. Like, yeah, UFOs. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the government. What, I mean, what are they going to do? Lock me up? Go ahead. Good. Go. Do it. Like, I just don't care. No, I'm, I'm on the same page as you with the government. Uh, sorry, boys. I am not on the uh, same page with UFOs. I'll, but I'll, this evening, I'm going to Google UFOs and Fortnite. I got a lot to I'll, learn. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some stuff about, <laughs> about are- the UFOs. 
about the UFOs. I literally don't know yeah. what the hell Fortnite is. I have no clue. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah. No, it's all good. Yeah. But I don't have any more questions to put you in the no, hot I'm seat, Alex. Anything? We've, uh, we, we've grown hot enough. We're good. Yeah, we're yeah, exactly. I, I was I was hoping you would throw in a little bit of controversy. But anyways, Todd, thank you so much for your time. All of your information will be at the bottom of this episode. People will know where to find you. They can follow you on social media. But again, thank you so much. You're welcome. Alex, aka Marilyn Mortgage Dad, thank you. I'll see you guys next time.